service. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Badlands listeners, are you here? Are you with me? Are you too tired to go to bed? Too riled up to stay home? I know I am. This is another podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Badlands, the rap party. Welcome to the Badlands bonus episode. Another thing we like to call the rap party. Just like that other show, this is a show that comes after the show. A voyage from one episode of Badlands to the other, the backlot breakdown of sorts. On this episode, we're talking about Carrie Fisher, Star Wars, and Paul Simon, Succession. And just like that other show, we are digging into your movie-focused voicemails, text, DMs, and more. So Badlands listeners, let's get into it. Yes, yes, yes. You know what time it is? That time of the week when I used to yell out action, but now I yell out, that's a wrap. Like a cheese ball. And, you know, we jump into the wrap party here in the Badlands feed. All right. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher once dropped acid in the desert with Paul Simon. She did ayahuasca in the Amazon jungle where she was attacked by a giant snake that may or may not have been real. She did so much cocaine that John Belushi, John Belushi, told her to chill on the coke. She battled wits with powerful and sleazy U.S. senators. Ted Kennedy, I'm talking to you. Her mood swings were such a dramatic part of her personality that she gave them their own names. Her fight for sobriety it was played out in the books that she wrote on the Broadway plays that she staged and her personality was so galvanizing that it became an avatar for real life resistance fighters. My point, one hell of a Badlands subject. Carrie Fisher died December 27th, 2016 at age 60, just 60 years old after falling ill on a plane. Uh, She had a cardiac arrest. Coroner's report said she may have taken cocaine three days before the flight that she was on. There were also traces of heroin and other opiates, MDMA, uh, in her system, but that it couldn't be determined when she had taken those. So, you know, kind of not a great end. Uh, but before all that, Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher made herself iconic by playing the character of Princess Leia in the Star Wars franchise, which begs the low-hanging fruit bonus episode question, is Princess Leia the greatest Star Wars character of all time? All right. I'm not a uh, Star Wars nut. Okay, there are certain people who work here at Double Elvis who are. Um, They're going to probably hate me even more than they already do for saying that. But (laughs) I'm joking. Um, 
I, I loved Star Wars when it came out. I was a little kid. I was fascinated by it, but I don't go in for the whole thing like uh, a lot of people do, and I don't begrudge them. Hey, if that's your thing, that's your thing. I get it. I show these movies to my kids. They're into it. Um, but there are so many iconic characters from Star Wars, and Princess Leia is definitely one of them. Um, she's been lionized or lionessed. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you feminize lionized? How do you, I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, but it just got me wondering, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, Chewbacca, R2-D2, Boba Fett, The Mandalorian, uh, all the new ones. 617-906-6638 is Princess Leia, the, Princess Leia, excuse me, the greatest Star Wars character of all time, if not, who is? To explain to me why I need to fully invest in Star Wars Explain to me what I'm missing. Why? And and look, I like it. I don't love it. That's the difference. But I think I could. I think I could. You guys read like that. I often thought, like, should I go read the books? Should I start there? Should I read the books in order? Should I maybe line everything up? All the all the Star Wars content that's out there, and and watch it all in the chronological order that it was uh, that it's set. Okay. Um, I don't know. Just a thought. How do you guys engage with the whole Star Wars thing? There's so much of it these days. Um, and again, don't come at me for hating Star Wars. I don't hate it. I just don't love it. And people fucking love it. Tell me why you love it. What am I missing? Okay? Hit me hard. 617-906-6638. Let me know. Very simply, greatest Star Wars character of all time and why I need to love Star Wars. Okay? We'll get into it in the next Badlands bonus episode. All right? All right. Um, you know... Again, the question is, Princess Leia the greatest Star Wars character? Is Princess Leia even Carrie Fisher's greatest character? Okay. She was Juliet Jake's bazooka-toting, jilted ex in the Blues Brothers. Juliet Jake, of course, played by John Belushi. Uh, she's awesome in that. Uh, Meg Ryan's best friend, Marie, in When Harry Met Sally. By the way, in the new uh, Apple, I, I'm going to quick, quick, quick quick detour here the new apple series with seth rogan called platonic there's a great when harry met sally bit in the first episode um okay sorry just to recap this is what this is what i'm getting at it was princess leah even carrie fisher's greatest role okay again uh she played Joli Joliet jake's bazooka toting jil jilted x in blues brothers uh meg ryan's best friend marie in when harry met sally and of course uh was meryl street's portrayal of carrie fisher in postcards from the edge her greatest role, Carrie Fisher's greatest role, even though it's played not by her, but by possibly the greatest actor of all time, Ms. Street, Meryl Streep. So many questions, 617-906-6638 with your answers. Call me, text me, whatever, just get at me and let me know. And I'll be back after this quick break. All right, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the Badlands bonus episode. This is the uh, the music mashup section of the show. That's what we're calling it. This one is easy because so much of the Badlands episode deals with Carrie Fisher and her relationship with uh, great, great, great songwriter Paul Simon. Uh, they dated from 1978 to 1983. They were married in 1983. Then they were divorced in 1984. And then they continued to date on and off for years after that divorce. Uh, Paul Simon released a lot of music during this time. One Trick Pony in 1980, uh, the concert in Central Park, iconic 
iconic, iconic performance, iconic uh, record. Uh, that's Simon and Garfunkel. That's 1981. Uh, all this, again, while he was dating Carrie Fisher, or with Carrie Fisher, I should say. And then more importantly, Hearts and Bones in 1983 when they were married. The title track is about their marriage. It's about their relationship. There's this lyric. It goes, two people were married. Uh, the act was outrageous, and the bride was contagious. <laughs> <laughs> Read into that what you will, all right? Uh, Carrie Fisher said that Paul Simon wrote a lot of songs about the two of them when they were together, uh, or about her, uh, including this reference on the title track to Graceland from 1986, which I might argue is my, f- is, I don't know if I'm going to say it's the best Paul Simon album, but it's probably my favorite. Um, but again, that lyric that I'm talking about about Carrie Fisher is uh, she comes back to tell me she's gone as if I didn't know that, as if I didn't know my own bed, as if I'd never noticed the way she brushed her hair from her forehead. Great writer. Tremendous, tremendous stuff, Paul Simon. Uh, what, what's your favorite Paul Simon record? Okay. Paul Simon's one of these guys, unfortunately for me, where I was not into it as a kid. I wasn't into Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, with the exception of Graceland, okay? That was a record that just, it was, you couldn't escape it in when it came out. And it was everywhere. It was all over MTV. And he was kind of a goofy guy by then. Maybe he was always a goofy guy, but to me as a little kid, he was a goofy guy. And I thought he was uh, interesting in that record was given to me by my dad on cassette. I don't know why. I didn't want it. I never asked for it. I think my dad just thought I would like it. And I did. I liked it a lot. Uh, I, I listened to it over and over and over again. But it didn't carry me into the Paul Simon discography. I wasn't reading books about Paul Simon. I wasn't contemplating Paul Simon and Carrie Fisher and their relationship. Not like I did with artists like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, where I was just obsessed at a certain point. I just went deeper and deep. Give me it all, you know? Never happened for me with Paul Simon. Still hasn't happened for me with Paul Simon. Um, whenever something comes on, I'm, in, I'm there for it. I'm in, all right? I can listen to one Paul Simon album that's not Graceland, and it's not Simon and Garfunkel. It's a solo album. What is it? 617-906-6638. Paul Simon fans, let me know. And slash sub-question, is there a Paul Simon episode of Disgraceland that I should be considering? Is there some sort of big transgression, some sort of uh, true crime, some mystery, some scandal that I'm not aware of? Because like I said, I know very little about Paul Simon. Um, and I'm kind of getting fascinated, okay? Uh, the interest is growing. And, and that's in large part because of this Badlands episode we did on Carrie Fisher. And Carrie Fisher was one of these characters who, whenever she popped up on screen, no matter where it was, whether it was in a movie, whether she was starring in that movie, or whether she just had a smaller part, like in Hannah and Her Sisters, or it, whether it was some event, or it was a photo in a magazine, whatever it was, Carrie Fisher, for me, was perpetually interesting because of her, not only because of, of her place in my childhood as Princess Leia, but just because she always seemed to be saying something interesting and something witty. Uh, she had this spirit about her that was just instant. It just hit you instantly. And you, and, and, and you were just like, what's she on about? What's she, what is she doing? Even though I had no interest in Carrie Fisher, other than, like I said, Princess Leia. Uh, great quote that I found. Instant gratification takes too long. <laughs> that's, that's from Carrie Fisher. Said during a 1987 LA Times interview, where she was explaining that she found the, the perfect form of therapy for, quote, people who dare to be pathetic, and that she now reaches for legal pads to write instead of pills. 
Um, she did get clean, but you know, according to the way she died, that did not last. All right. Uh, the number one movie from the time of this episode, uh, or partial time of this episode, was Rogue One, a Star Wars story, directed by Gareth Edwards, uh, set before the first Star Wars the one that came out in the 70s. Uh, Rogue One, I'm not telling Star Wars fans anything they don't know, and I'm probably going to butcher this, and I'm probably going to not include details that are going to piss you off, but whatever. For those who don't know, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is about a group of rebels that band together to steal the plans for the Death Star. And the end of this movie ties directly into the start of the original Star Wars, and one of the last things you see is a digital effects version of Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. Looking the same age he was back in 1977, and, and here's the thing, Star Wars fans... You guys, you know, don't take this as a criticism, but you seem a little sensitive, okay? And from the little bit of research I did about this, audiences were torn uh, over whether this was a good thing or a bad thing to have uh, young-looking Carrie Fisher in this updated version of Star Wars. Um, I saw it. I thought it was cool. Whatever. My opinion doesn't really matter that much. Um, and the thing about that movie, just while we're on that movie, just real quick, it's the same fucking movie, right? Am I wrong? Right? No, I'm not wrong. It's the same movie. All right, whatever. Um, get, I'm throwing a lot at you, right? We're on Carrie Fisher, but I kind of want to know more about Paul Simon, okay? So let me know. 617-906-6638. One Paul Simon record. I can listen to one, and it's not Graceland. Let me know what it is, all right? That's the number, 617-906-6638. That's where we get into all things uh, Badlands here in the rap party. You guys send your voicemails in. You send your texts. Let's do some voicemails right now. Let's play this one from the 970. Jake, I love me some Alien, but I also really enjoy The Fifth Element because Mila Jovovich is smoking. Bruce Willis does a good job. It's funny, but it's good sci-fi. Rock and roll, baby. All right. On the uh, the continuing issue of sci-fi, The Fifth Element, I've never seen it. My wife loves it. Now I'm going to watch it. It's an easy one. I'll just be like, hey, you love The Fifth Element. We wanted to fight over it. Let's watch The Fifth Element this weekend. It'll be easy, right? Even though I'm not a big Mila Jovovich guy, um, but I will check that out on your recommendation, 970. All right, let's go to the, let's play this voicemail from the 347. Hi, Dick. Um, love your show. I just was going to tell you, air is awesome. Two thumbs up. Enthusiastic thumbs up. It was a trip down Memory Lane, 1984, the music, just everything. And it is so inspiring, and I learned so much, and it's funny, too. It's really, really good. You should see it. Bye. All right. I love the love for Air. I have not seen it. Uh, very much looking forward to it. It's my own uh, nostalgia thing. is is deep right now for me. I'm actually re-watching. Uh, when I work out, I have Michael Jordan's, uh, the documentary, The Last Dance on, Rewatching that in the background. It's good to work out too. Jordan was such a beast, such a beast. And I don't know what's happening to me. The older I get, the more I'm reaching back in this nostalgic way for mainly sports stuff. I don't know what it is, like the sports stuff that I was into as a kid. Um, I find myself more into it now uh, than I ever have been as an adult. And I talked about I talk, talked a little bit about this with you guys a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if it was in rap party or the after party episodes about um, the greatest show on dirt, that baseball account on Instagram, which is all '80s and '90s content from Major League Baseball. It's hysterical. Um, but yeah, air 
I'm 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 here for it. I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, perhaps this weekend. I I wanted to watch it. I've been wanting to watch this for a while. Haven't had the time. Hope hopefully this weekend we can get into it, and I'll let you know. In the meantime, let's uh, play this. Let's do another voicemail here from the two o eight. Hey Jake, Terry from Idaho. Hey, I'm about three weeks, four weeks late on this, but I just wanted to put my two cents worth in. Um, sci-fi movies. I would have to agree with Blade Runner and Aliens. I hope you've watched Aliens. It is amazing. Anyway, um, there's some other good ones that may predate you. The Andromeda Strain, which is really good. There's a couple of animated ones, Wizards and Heavy Metal, which is one of the best. Um, then there's 12 Monkeys, Running Man, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, not sure if it's really sci-fi, but I guess it is because it's aliens. And then there's um, one out there that is kind of a horror flick vampire thing called Near Dark, and it has got Bill Paxton in it, Lance Henriksen, and um, Jeanette Goldstein, all of who are in Aliens. So anyway, hope you can catch some of those flicks. I love the podcast. Keep on going. And just want to say um, I had a horse whose name was Rock, and after listening to Disgraceland, I'd always go out and say Rockarola. Anyway, rock on. All right, Terry, great recommendations. Heavy metal. Saw that when I was way too young. Uh, I could it could, I could go for a rewatch on that one. Recently bought a bunch of heavy metal magazines. Take my kids to these to this uh, comic book shop in the town next door, and uh, they had all these heavy metal magazines that looked cool. So I copped those, got them on my coffee table here in the studio. Uh, so many recommendations in here. Thank you. It's been so much incoming on sci-fi movies. Um, you know, uh, I got to dig in. There's a lot. There's a lot. You guys are going to make a sci-fi fan out of me yet. And, of course, I love the rock and roll of horse talk, too. I'm here for it. So cool. It's inspiring. Thank you, Terry. All right. Let's do some techs. All right. From the 951, last week we were in our rap party episode. We were talking about the best cameos in movies. Um, I can't remember what spawned that question, but we got an answer here from the 951. Hello from the 951. The best cameos in movies would have to go to Stephen King and Quentin Tarantino. Stephen King loves to just pop up and it's a joy to see his creepy little face like in Sons of Anarchy. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know Stephen King did a cameo in Sons of Anarchy. That's cool. Uh, He's in quite a bit of his movie adaptations as well. Quentin's pop-ups are also great like Little Nicky in Planet Terror. He's in Little Nicky? Damn. When I think of cameos, I think of these two every time. Well, thank you, 951. Those are good, good cameo wrecks. Need to check those out. Let's see what else we got here. All right, from the 214, we have a text here. It says, you mentioned Jane Mansfield's death in the James Dean after party. I grew up a few miles away from where it supposedly happened. There was once a memorial there, but it got washed away with Hurricane Katrina. Got pictures of the memorial somewhere. Naturally, a lot of local rumors, legends, and lore. Keep up the good work. And by the way, and then there's the picture in the text here of the back end of a tractor-trailer truck. And there are bars that extend from the lower part of the doors on the back of the tractor trailer truck. And the bars go down, it goes to a step, and then they're about 
maybe six feet, I'm sorry, excuse me, maybe six inches off the ground, maybe 12 inches actually. And the texter goes on to say, these bars underneath the rear end of the tractor trailer circled in red are called Mansfield bars. U.S. Government National Highway Division mandated their addition to all tractor trailers shortly after Jane's death. Lack of these bars were the cause of her death, which you're going to hear about in the Jane Mansfield Badlands episode. Great text, 214. Thank you very much, allowing us to foreshadow what we got coming up in the last episode of the rap party we talked about heist flicks okay how i wish that there was an actual movie category a genre for heist movies because there are so many of them and it's a good way to organize your thinking about what you want to watch at least for me anyways and uh heat the movie heat not the miami heat which you know we have another conversation going about elsewhere but the movie heat uh great heist flick and I, I put the call out for some other heist suggestions uh, here from the 302. 302 is saying, great heist flicks, lock stock and two smoking barrels. Uh, set it off. Three Kings. Three Kings is great. The bank job. Point Break. I'd love to rewatch Point Break. Usual Suspects. Also great. Baby Driver. I like Baby Driver. Just to name a few. Too many great ones. Keep doing the damn thing. Jake loving other lands. Disgrace. Bad. Etc. Tina in the 302. Thank you, Tina. Uh, Tina goes on to say, Oh, yeah. And have you watched or are you watching Barry finale tonight? It's really great. Love some Bill Hader. I love me some Bill Hader, too. And I like Barry, but I have not been watching it lately. I need to. I will at some point. All right. Let's see what else we got here. 808 says, for a good show recommendation, I think you dig Hello Tomorrow. Basic premise is Billy Crudup. I love Billy Crudup. It's a salesman selling real estate for the moon, but it's actually a con. The aesthetic of the show is amazing. Picture all those pinups of the future from the 50s, and that's the tech that's in the show. That sounds really cool. I've never heard of that. Is that new, 808? Let me know. All right. From the 317, which is, I believe, Indiana, my Hoosiers writing in saying, we love you and no need to apologize for the Fairmont, Indiana slip. Your pods rock. No, thank you, 317, but I, I did have to, uh, I did have to apologize. The 260 writes in, loved your Indiana correction. All right, yeah, it had to be done. Had to be done. Uh, 860 writes in, hey, Jake, it's Brady. Just heard the shout out on the last episode of Rap Party and you, my friend, have a great memory. Although it was LA, not Vegas, when I hung out with Paris Hilton. Oh God, this is Brady, our fucking... My business partner, <laughs> who I called out in the last episode of uh, the rap party. But I digress. I'm really writing you to double down on the praise of Paris and her self-awareness, commitment to the bit, and business savvy. Respect. Thanks, Brady. And then he goes on to say, now go back to work. You got it, buddy. All right. What else we got here? All right, we're going to do one more text here from the 411. Sorry, from the 401. Jake, vintage comedy TV show 2001 and 2002, The Job, starring Dennis Leary and lots of cronies from Rescue Me. Leary is a police detective. Additionally, Elizabeth Hurley is very funny from Horny Mark in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay, Horny Mark. Maybe I'll check that out. Hard to say no to Elizabeth Hurley. Did she date Dennis Leary for a while or something like that? Why does that sound like it's a thing? I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. All right, what are we doing? 617-906-6638. You guys know the number by now. That's how you send me the text. That's how you send me the voicemails. You can DM me at DisgracelandPod, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and TikTok. And we've got stuff over on YouTube, too, as well. That's at YouTube.com slash at DisgracelandPod. Someone's mowing the lawn outside. I'm going to take a quick break. Come back in a second with some recommendations.
This is the other recommendations part, the part of the other show where we recommend the movies and television content, the recommendations part, the part where you send me all your weird and awesome movie recommendations and we discuss the movie recommendations part here in the Badlands Rap Party bonus episode. Okay, let's start with Carrie Fisher movie Shampoo from 1975, her debut Star Wars in 1977, Empire in 80, Blues Brothers in 80, Return of the Jedi in 83, Hannah and Her Sisters 1986, When Harry Met Sally 1989, Postcards from the Edge 1990. Obviously, Carrie Fisher's not in Postcards from the Edge. She is played by Meryl Streep. Um, and Shirley MacLaine plays her mom, or a version of her mom, I should say, versions of Meryl Streep. Excuse me, versions of Carrie Fisher and her mother, Debbie Reynolds, respectively. Okay, um, again, the, this list of movies, Shampoo, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, The Blues Brothers, Return of the Jedi, Hannah and Her Sisters, When Harry Met Sally, and Throwing in Postcards from the Edge. Postcards from the Edge, in my opinion, is the best movie out of this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movie bunch. Now, you can remove Postcards from the Edge because Carrie Fisher is not actually in it. And if we're talking just about strict movies that Carrie Fisher appears in, the seven of them, again, Shampoo, Star Wars, Empire, Blues Brothers, Return of the Jedi, Hannah and Her Sisters, When Harry Met Sally. If we're looking at just those, my favorite of those, definitely Hannah and Her Sisters. Yes, I like Hannah and Her Sisters more than I like Empire Strikes Back. And I, I'd put Blues Brothers number second on my list. What's your favorite? What's your favorite Carrie Fisher movie? 617-906-6638. Is Hannah and her sisters better than Empire Strikes Back? What a dumb fucking question. Anyways, all right. Um, let's move on to stuff. I haven't watched any of those movies in a really long time. I guess Blues Brothers, that's on, seems to be on just as I'm scrolling. Um, but that uh, I haven't watched any of those in a while. But for stuff that I am actually watching, okay? I'm watching what you guys are watching. Succession, all right? Spoilers. There will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen the season finale of Succession. Skip ahead a few minutes here um, because I want to get into, a little, get into it a little bit. I think that this show, as I've said before, is the best show on television right now, has been uh, for a long time. And I just am in awe of how incredibly perfect the season finale was. It didn't let down, didn't let me down at all. It didn't pull out some rabbit out of the hat drama that you weren't expecting for the sake of drama. The writers were able to do this thing where all of the characters behave in the exact correct way that their characters have demonstrated over the course of the show. They behave in the same exact way at the very end yet the end is still surprising. And it really blew me away. It did. All of them, all of the, let's call them five main characters, Roman, Kendall, Shiv, and I'm throwing in Tom for obvious reasons, and I'll even throw in Greg. In the end, all of them behave exactly as we would expect them to. Roman is a self-interested juvenile, okay? Shiv is too clever by half, thinks she's smarter than everybody else, 
and she gets played. Kendall is inept despite his craven need for attention and having his ego satiated by getting the top spot. And in the end, he behaves like the juvenile that he is. He behaves like the man he never became, which is to say a child. Tom continues to fail up as he has throughout the season. And Greg is the little fucking pilot fish, funny barnacle on the side of the fucking whale that just keeps doing what he's doing. He's along for the ride. Yet somehow when they get to that end, you don't expect it to play out that way. And if you did, congratulations, you're smarter than all of us. You're certainly smarter than me. There's this thing, um, I, I read, I read a lot about what David Mamet has to say about writing. He's a great writer, um, of plays, playwright, obviously, but of film and television. And he, and he's written a lot about, about the craft and everything that he's written about is sort of a modern day update on the lessons that the dramatic lessons that Aristotle gave us. However many hundreds, thousands, I don't even know when the hell Aristotle was around, but a long, long fucking time ago. <laughs> and Mammoth's updated it. And there's two things that he says that played out perfectly in the succession episode. Characters behave as characters are. In other words, if you're writing a character in a script uh, for a podcast or whatever, you can't suddenly have your character do something that is wildly out of character. I mean, you can, but it, he or she better have a damn good reason for doing it, and there better be some sort of uh, effect that comes from that that is that is that plays to the drama and the telling of the story. Um, and finally, there there are a lot of different rules that Aristotle set out that Mamet has updated, and and one of them is that the ending has to always be surprising but inevitable, and that is exactly what this was, and it was so fucking gratifying. You know, it was so, it was an, it, the, the end with Tom in the chair and Shiv being fucked and Kendall being fucked or nobody believing in Kendall, I should say, and Roman uh, letting his selfish, his juvenile selfishness get in the way of him actually achieving anything. All of that played out perfectly. And like I said, having Greg there to just take the ride was, was key. Um, tremendously satisfying. I'm going to miss this show. I think, you know, I mean, it's great. I love when, I love when someone walks off the stage at the height of their power, right? When, you know, it's, it's, there's something gratifying about that as well. Those bands that, that never made any bad records, right? Those, you know, those actors who never made any bad films. John Cazale comes to mind, although, you know, he didn't walk off by choice, but I think with Succession, it was done so well and the ending was so perfect that they could literally just just come back next season and pick up in the exact position they're in right now. And we could watch the Wamsgams ATN story. I'm sorry, the Wamsgams Waystar Royco story. And we could watch 
Kendall spinning out into alcoholism and drug abuse, and Shiv trying to worm her way to power through her husband's, the power that her husband now has. And we could watch Roman make a play in the end for the love of his life, Jerry, and Greg just fucking make us laugh. Like, there's there's nothing that could stop this season from moving on right now, this series, excuse me, from moving on right now after this season and picking up right where this ended because the ending was that fucking good. It left you satisfied and it left you wanting more. And God damn, I'm going to miss this show. But I have to say, I'm very excited to see what all these folks do um, for their next act. It's going to be really interesting. Great bunch of actors. Great. So RIP succession. All right. I also finished Shocker, Mayor of Easttown. Watched that finale on the same day I watched the succession finale. And... I don't know why people, more people don't talk about that show. I guess they do. It was recommended to me by you guys. Uh, great ending. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Uh, tremendous ending. And, you know, a lot of people have mentioned Jeremy Renner in reference to Mayor of Easttown. And I was waiting for Jerry Remmer, Jeremy Renner to, like, pop out of the closet or something. Doesn't happen, of course. So is there a connection there? Is there something? You know, I could Google this, but you guys know. I don't like Googling shit. Um, so if I'm missing something about Jeremy Renner and the mayor of Easttown, maybe there's a second mayor of Easttown season coming that I don't know about with Jeremy Renner. Who knows? Let me know. 617-906-6638. I want to know what you guys thought of Succession. Okay? I'm not done talking about this show. It's in me. Let me know. Let me know your movie recommendations, your television recommendations. 617-906-6638 at Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. I'm back in a minute. All right, let's recap, everybody. The obvious, the Carrie Fisher episode of Badlands is available in your feed right now. Go check that out. Next week in the Badlands feed, we're coming in hot with a new episode on Will Smith. And I got to say, if you're a Will Smith fan, you're not going to like me that much after this episode. Number three, over in the Disgraceland feed, we've got a new episode on Easy e available for you now and another new episode on Jeff Buckley coming next week. Call me, 617-906-6638 to get this Badlands movie conversation continuing. Television as well, Succession hit me up with your thoughts. I got a split. I got other podcasts to record and music videos to watch. So right now, a second dose of bliss for yours truly in honor of this week's Badlands episode, me reading the script from the Blues Brothers. The mystery woman loosens off a round of machine gun fire. They hit the ground. Elwood, who is that girl? Woman. Well, Jake, you look just fine down there, slithering in the mud like vermin. Jake to Elwood. No problem. Woman. You're not going to get away from me this time. She fires again, still missing them. In the ballroom, Mr. Mercer hears the gunshots. Mr. Mercer to officers. Check that out. Let's go. Come on. Back in the sewer. Jake to woman. It's good to see you, sweetheart. Woman. You contemptible pig. I remain celibate for you. I stood at the back of the cathedral waiting in celibacy for you, with 300 friends and relatives in attendance. My uncle hired the best Romanian caterer in the state to obtain... <laughs> To obtain the seven limousines for the wedding party, my father used up his last favors with Mad Pete Trollo. So for me, for my mother, my grandmother, my father, my uncle, and for the common good, I must now kill you and your brother. Jake gets up and slowly walks toward her. Jake, falling to his knees before her. Oh, please don't kill us. Please, please, don't kill us. You know I love you, baby. I wouldn't leave you. It wasn't my fault. Woman, 
you miserable slug. Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it!